Let's jump into the gospel according to Matthew. We're in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 through 23, the parable of the soils, the parable of the soils. One of Jesus' favorite ways of teaching was the parable. You know, when I was a kid, I was taught that a parable was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? Uh, sounds like some of you all were taught the same thing. Uh, well, according to dictionary.com, it's similar. A parable is a short allegorical story designed to illustrate or teach some truth, religious principle, or moral lesson. Uh, Jesus used earthly stories or short allegories to illustrate a heavenly lesson uh, or a spiritual truth that he had to, to pass on to those who were to hear. Uh, par parables were very common among Jewish rabbis. That's one of the things they used to teach their students. And Jesus, the great rabbi, um, who always had a great truth to teach, of course, uh, took many occasions to relate uh, his spiritual lessons to people that came to hear him by telling a story or a parable. Uh, and the first parable that we read about and hear about in, in, gospel, in Matthew's gospel is the parable of, we usually call it the parable of the sower. Jesus calls it the parable of the sower. Uh, the parable of the sower is one of Jesus's most well-known parables. Probably most of us here today know of it. Uh, it's a story of a farmer who sows some seed that falls on four different types of soil. Let's read about it. Uh, we'll start with Matthew 13, verse 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. That was the story. A farmer sows seeds that falls on four different types of soil, which produces four different results. Uh, that's the story. What does it mean? What was the spiritual truth um, that Jesus wanted his students, those people that were there along the shore, to hear that day? Um, well, in this case, a little later, Jesus does something he doesn't always do. He actually interprets the story. He tells the disciples the meaning of the different elements that are involved in this story, what the seed is, uh, what the soils represent, and the reason that the seed is received and reacts the way that it does. Uh, the meaning of this parable for the disciples was a no-brainer because Jesus told them what the meaning was. But what about the crowd that had gathered on the shore uh, to hear the story? Did they understand what the parable was about? Well, it looks like they did not hear the interpretation. Uh, only the disciples, it looks like, may have been told that what it meant. Um, and, and often Jesus did not interpret his parables. He simply told a story and then just kind of left it there for the people to, to digest and try to figure out themselves. 
Um, uh, in fact, before the disciples were given the interpretation by Jesus, they asked him, hey, Jesus, why do you use parables to teach? Uh, perhaps what, why he told an interesting story, but didn't always tell the meaning. Uh, so Jesus tells them why he uses parables and why he doesn't always tell the meaning. Um, let's read, starting with verse 11. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has, has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Now, when you read that explanation, you almost get the idea that Jesus teaches in parables so they won't understand it. <laughs> you know, is that true? Is that why he uses parables? Well, I think in a sense, yes, for some people. You know, in fact, Jesus, as he often does, he refers back to the text. Jesus often would, would prove his point by going to the Old Testament, and he does the same thing here. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, again, uh, any, any Pharisee or, or even the apostles would, would be very familiar with this passage. They were taught about it in school. Um, some people uh, aren't ready to hear a message of truth. Um, some people don't want to change. They don't want to make needed changes in their life. Uh, so telling them that they need to change won't do any good for some people. So why waste your time you know, explaining it all when you know they're not going to change anyway? And, and this was the state of the Israelites' heart in Isaiah's time that Jesus pointed out. And also the same thing is true in any crowd and in, and in the crowd that Jesus spoke to. Uh, also, uh, he understood change wasn't going to happen in a lot of these people. In fact, one message that we receive from this parable is, is that really only one type of person out of four uh, it was ready and willing to hear truth, accept it, and make changes in their life. The good soil. The other three were, weren't ready to make needed changes. Uh, in order for the other three to hear and accept the truth, some hard work needed to be done on their part. Uh, some difficult uh, decisions needed to be made in their lives. And many who listen to a truth like that just aren't ready to make those changes, to put in that work. Um, then Jesus explained to the disciples the meaning of the story. He explained the four types of people that heard his message that day and, and would be hearing the message that he teached throughout his ministry uh, and how they would react to it. Some look at this story and, and they see that it's basically just a reality check. Uh, this is a story about a reality check. A story of, of what to expect when we try to teach God's truths to people. This is what's going to happen. Uh, this story is often taught depicting the sower as you and me, sowing the gospel, and the four soils as the reality of what to expect from people who hear it. 
Uh, and, and this is true. It, it, it can be used that way. It is a, a story about what to expect when you, when you teach truth. Um, when we try to tell people about Jesus, these are the basic responses you can expect from people. But you know what? Another way to look at this story is rather than being a story about how others react, uh, it, it can be a story that encourages self-evaluation. Uh, instead of asking which soil represents those people, uh, ask this, the question, which soil represents me? Which soil am I in this story? And if I am not good soil, then what changes need to happen in my life to make me good soil? So let's read Jesus' interpretation, especially from that point of view. Beginning with verse 16. But blessed are, are your eyes, your eyes, you disciples, because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, that's the seed, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the, the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good ground refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces crop, a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So, four soils. The four soils are the path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. Let's look at each one of those. Let's first look at the path. The path is an area of ground that is regularly walked on uh, by foot when, when people are moving from one place to another. Uh, in, in this case, uh, in the farmer's case, it's pro it could be the area around the edge of the field. Where people, or maybe a path that cut right through the middle of it, uh, where people would take a shortcut to get from here to there, and they would walk a path over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I mean, the paths usually end up being the shortest distance between two places. So instead of walking around the field, people would just walk right through the middle of it. And in that area, uh, it would be compacted. Um, you see this a lot in college campuses <laughs> with sidewalks. You know, when, when uh, college campuses are laid out, uh, usually the, the, the sidewalk system is a grid, right? North and south, east and west, right? So uh, students walk in from here to go to that building over there. And so you're supposed to walk all the way down to the intersection of the sidewalk and then turn right and go to the building, right? That's what everybody should do. But what do they do? They make the shortcut across the, the angle, right? And, and what happens to the grass? It, it dies because the ground gets compacted. And then what you end up seeing is they build sidewalks where the paths were. <laughs> so you, if you look from above, you got all these sidewalks, north and south, but then you got all these angled sidewalks too uh, because of the path. And, you know, it, it's unsightly when the grass dies. In those. I remember at, at Mackey, 
Years ago, when uh, Phil Allegood was uh, the groundskeeper, uh, he, he was trying to keep people off the grass because everybody wanted to take the shortcut, right? Uh, and he would, um, he would uh, put signs out, you know, uh, stay, on, stay, on the, stay off the grass, stay off the grass. Um, uh, and, uh, and it basically worked because you didn't want to suffer the wrath of Phil Allegood. Um, it was a small college, and he knew who you were and where you lived. Uh, you know, what, what ends up happening when you, when you walk in the same place over and over again, it kills the grass because the soil gets compacted real hard and tight from the foot traffic, and, and seeds, grass seeds, have a hard time penetrating. And so the, the grass either dies or, or never even gets a chance to even start to grow because, uh, as Jesus points out, the birds come and eat the seeds up. You know, and as Jesus interprets this part of the parable, he says these are people who hear truth and they don't understand it, or maybe they don't want to understand it, or, or maybe they won't even, or they're not even trying to understand it. Uh, they have allowed Satan to just take the truth away. They are ready to listen to Satan, but not to God. The second soil is rocky soil. Now, by its nature, rocky soil is a mixture of soil, dirt, and rocks. Uh, maybe a little soil on the top, and you can't even see the rocks. But just a few inches down below the, the topsoil is, is mostly rocks. Uh, and the problem here is there's no room for roots to grow deep and to develop. Uh, the roots get started in the little shallow part of the soil. Uh, they begin to grow, but just as they're getting going, their roots quickly hit the rocks below, and they can't get down below that to the needed moisture and water uh, below the rocks. And as a result, the sun dries them out, and they die. Jesus said, these are people who hear the truth, and at first they embrace it. Man, this is wonderful. It brings them great joy at first. This is great. But they, they, they then don't allow their roots the, uh, for, of the truth to grow deep, uh, to become mature, so that a plant can become mature, uh, so that they can be nourished from the, the needed uh, strength of God's word, uh, and 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 they can grow to be strong plants. So when trouble comes in their life, as inevitably trouble always does, um, especially trouble, Jesus points out uh, that comes because of your new faith, um, like persecution, or maybe um, the challenge that all of a sudden you have in in resisting those old temptations, those old habits. That you, that you used to have before you began following Jesus. Um, because there's no maturity, there's no strength, they quickly fall away. You know, man, this was great at first, but now it's just too hard. So I'm going to let it go. The third soil is thorny soil. Uh, now this is soil along uh, with the sown seed that the farmer throws. Um, there, there's also other plants that are growing along with the seed, uh, thorns that are growing along with the seed. Uh, and like many weeds, thorns quickly overwhelm the sown seeds. Uh, you know, they don't share equal, equal time. They, they like to just overcome everything. Uh, they steal the water. They steal the sun. Uh, and eventually they choke the seed and it dies. Jesus said these are people who hear the truth, 
They let the truth start to take root, uh, but the truth isn't the only thing that's taking root in their life. There's other things that are rooted there as well. The worries of life and the concerns of life, the false promises of wealth and, uh, and material things occupy their time and their energy so much that, they, that they're, the seed of the truth never gets a chance to grow because everything else is growing right over top of it and it overwhelms it and it dies. And the fourth soil is good soil. Uh, there's no rocks, there's no thorns, uh, only good tilled topsoil uh, ready and waiting for the seed to grow and the roots to go deep and it thrives in the good soil. And Jesus said, these are people who hear the truth, they understand the truth, they let it grow, they let it mature uh, with deep roots, uh, which results in good fruit, good spiritual fruit, a righteous life that stands strong against Satan and against the distractions of this world. Those are the four kinds of people that, that generally hear the truth. Now, again, the temptation here is to simply use this parable to evaluate or label them, others, other people. Uh, and there may be a time that we need to do that, and maybe it could help in some way. You know, when we see, when we do try to tell people the, the gospel or, or share a message of Christ with them, um, uh, and, and we see their response, and maybe how, how they respond the different ways, we can say, yep, yep, Jesus warned us about this, so he told us this would happen. Uh, but Really, what good does that do uh, for anybody other than helping us understand? Maybe that's some benefit there, but really, what good does that do? You know, one purpose of Jesus' parables was to encourage change from those who hear the message. Now, this is for you to, to digest and then make a change in your life. Uh, so as we think of this parable, you know, rather than looking outward this morning, let's look inward. Let's look inward. Which soil are you? Which, I need to ask, which soil am I? And if, and if we are often, or even sometimes, even sometimes, one of those first three soils, well, what needs to happen? What changes need to be made in our life so that we can go from that soil to good soil? So, are you often, or sometimes even, the hard soil of the path. Do you hear the truth, maybe at church right now, during a sermon or during a Sunday school lesson, or maybe a song, Steve was talking about songs and the messages that we hear from songs, um, maybe from a concerned friend that's trying to share the truth to you um, uh, at work, or maybe your spouse at home is trying to share the gospel or the truth uh, of God's word with you. Uh, and, and before that truth can even think about taking root in your life, it's swept away by some sinful influence in your life. You know, some harmful habit that, uh, that you have, like alcohol or pornography, uh, or an unhealthy relationship that you're involved in. Uh, a friend or, or friends that, that are regularly pulling you away uh, into uh, unhealthy or sinful behaviors and and it's just so much of, of that kind of thing in your life that you can't even think about embracing the truth of god because satan is and your flesh is telling you ah oh, don't listen to that don't listen to that you don't need that so if that's you even sometimes even sometimes 
What do you need to do to turn your soil that's hard like the path into something that is welcoming the truth, good soil? Well, let's go to the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus always did that. Let's, let's you and I do that too. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 uh, says, Sow righteousness for yourself, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. You, you, you need to sow righteousness, reap some good fruit of love by breaking up that hard ground and seek the Lord. Now, how do you take compacted soil and make it into good soil? You break it up. You break it up. You till it. You turn it and make it hard, from hard to soft and, and pliable. Um, and then you sow righteousness in that, that broken up, tilled soil. Uh, you start doing what's right by getting rid of what's wrong, by getting sin out of your life, and then replacing it with righteousness. You know, sin makes your heart hard. You know, it makes it difficult for, for uh, God's truth to penetrate it. Because it's hard. And if your, if your heart is wrapped up in immorality or hatred or selfishness, God's truth can't penetrate it. It can't penetrate it. And so you've got to break that up by allowing God's truth in your heart and getting rid of what's keeping it away. Some sinful uh, behavior that's, that's in your heart or in your life. And understand that, that the while you may not believe it now, and if you're in a situation like that on Facebook or here today where you're, you've, you've just got that hard heart and you're, you're like digging in your heels and you say, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I just don't want to listen. I don't want to listen. Uh, please understand this. You may not believe it now, but this is just the truth. And, and, and most of us here today can testify. God's way, God's way is so much better than the world's way. When you're in the world, you can't see that. You just don't believe it. You can't imagine it. But just please trust me. Trust everyone that's here today on Facebook uh, who know the Lord. God's way is so much better than the world's way. Love can make you happy. Really happy. Lasting happiness. Hatred makes you sad and angry. Miserable. Are you, are you miserable and angry all the time? Is there hatred in your heart? That's why. That's why. You know, selfishness robs you of joy uh, that you could have if you were, were generous and you reached out to meet people's needs uh, and put them first in your life. You would be amazed at how much joy you can have in your life when you, stop th when you think less of yourself and more of others. So trust God and try His way. Just try it. Just try it. Break up that hard soil caused by sin and let God show you a better life. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Well, are you often or even sometimes rocky soil? Do you hear the truth, accept it at first, but because you don't let your roots grow deep, into the truth. Um, 
Any bump in life that comes along, anything that comes along uh, makes you turn to the world for help rather than God. You turn to alcohol or a relationship or worry or unsound counsel in your life. Well, how can we turn rocky soil into good soil? Let's go to the text. Let's go to the Old Testament. Um, Isaiah 5, verse 24. Therefore, as tongues of fire lick up straw, and as dry grass sinks down in the flames, so their roots will decay, and their flowers blown away like dust, for they have rejected the law of the Lord Almighty and spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. They've rejected the law of God, God's word. They've spurned the word of the Holy One of Israel. Shallow roots result from failing to know and grow in God's word. Simple as that. Shallow roots that can give you the strength you need um, come from failing to know and grow in God's word. Now, if that's true then what would promote deep roots? What would promote that? Well, accepting, knowing, growing in God's Word. The power of God's Word. You know, the key to spiritual strength so that you can handle all the bumps that life inevitably brings us is knowing God's Word. The power of His Word. Well, how does God's Word help us handle the bumps of life? Well, for one thing, it tells us of the many, many promises that, that God gives those who follow Him. It tells us of those promises, all the, the wonderful blessings that are in store for you uh, if, if we are a follower of God. The Word of God tells us those promises. Uh, the Word of God reminds us of the joy and the hope that we can have if we put God first in our lives and, and other people first in our lives. When we follow His ways, uh, uh, we, we can receive God's joy, gift of joy in our life. God's Word reminds us of the resources that you and I have at our fingertips so that we can successfully face and endure all the bumps of life. And those resources are things like prayer, the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of every Christian, the hope of eternal life that awaits all of us, the joy that can be found even in the midst of trials uh, in our lives. Uh, we can see the promises and examples of those promises being fulfilled throughout the, the Word of God. Um, so the more we know about the Word of God, the more we can see that only God, only God can truly help us through the bumps and the crashes of this life. All other things that we might turn to will eventually fail us, but God's Word never will. So the solution, what's the solution to become good soil if you're thorny soil? Become a lifelong student of God's Word. Simple as that. The deeper your roots, the stronger you will be. Are you often or even sometimes the thorny soil? Is God's, truth a, is God's truth a prominent part of your life? Is your love for God and your love for people at the top of your priority list like we talked about last week? Or, 
Or is God's truth, your love for him, just one of many priorities in your life? And not really any different level than anything else. Um, you know, God's truth is on your list. Yeah, I love God uh, and I love his truth. But for maybe it's way down on your priority list. Not even close to the top. Not even close to the top. In fact, much of the time, your relationship with God stays overwhelmed by everything else in your life. You don't even have time to think about it. Like family and work and leisure, sports, hobbies, relationships. All these things are good things. They're not evil or bad things, but they're just there and they overwhelm your relationship with God. So if that's you, even sometimes, even sometimes, how can you turn your thorny soil into good soil? How can you remove the weeds that threaten to choke out your relationship with God? Let's go to the text. Jeremiah 4, verse 3. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. <laughs> do not sow among thorns. It's pretty simple. That's the solution. Don't sow uh, your, your seed of truth among thorns. You know, what do you do when you have a garden? Those of you who have gardens, uh, you just plant it that right there at the beginning and just let it go. Don't bother it again until, until you know, it's time. Okay, it's time to go get those tomatoes. <laughs> um, and you go out there and you can't even find the tomatoes, right? Why? Because it's overwhelmed by weeds, right? So if you have a garden, you've got to go out there and every day, all through the season, uh, we take out the weeds. Um, anybody in here uh, ever work in pulling cuckleburrs out of soybeans? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Pull cuckleburrs out of soybeans. Okay, um, that's the, the worst job next to prime and tobacco in all of mankind history. Uh, that's a cucklebur. You've probably picked some of those out of your dog's tail before. Um, but uh, cucklebirds are these weeds that have these little clusters of seeds that look like that. And um, in soybeans, uh, uh, if, if, and I don't know if it's, they might have something that stops it now, but back in the 70s, uh, you had to literally walk down the rows of soybeans, and as you went, you pulled cucklebird plants. Uh, me and a couple of friends of mine did that for a farmer that lived next to us, Glenn Davenport. And uh, in the middle of July, you're walking up and down these rows, uh, pulling cucklebirds. But, but the farmer needed to have that done, or otherwise the cucklebirds would take over and overwhelm the soybeans. You had to get rid of the weeds to save the crop. And that's true in our spiritual life as well. Um, you know, last week, we were encouraged to take an honest inventory of our priorities in life. Is there, if you take an honest look at your life, is there anything in your life that you place higher than your relationship with God? You know, even if it's a good thing. Even if it's a, we're not talking about sinful things. That's obvious. But even if it's a good thing that takes priority, over your relationship with God, like work or family, sports, leisure, friends. Is there anything in our lives that is preventing us from making our relationship with God top priority? Anything? Well, if there is, we've got to do one of two things. We've got to do one of two things. we either got to figure out a way to move whatever's taking priority over God down 
so that God can move up, or we got to remove it, if that's not possible, and sometimes it's not possible, we got to remove that altogether out of our life. That's the only two options, really. Now, let's take, for example, a, a, a relationship that we might be in. You know, you have a relationship with someone that's, that you see as you evaluate it. You know, this is really taking priority over God in my life. So maybe for that situation, you might need to have a conversation with this person that you're in a relationship with. You know, you might say something like, you know, you're very important to me. You're very, I love you very, very much. In fact, I want to be your husband one day. Um, but you know what? I can't let this, res, this re relationship interfere with my relationship with God anymore. And it has been. Um, and so here's what, I, here's what we need to do. We need to live apart from each other until we get married. Because that's what God wants me to do. And I've got to do what God wants me to do. And hopefully, if you had that conversation, you're, the, the person would say, you know, I agree, you're right. Let's, let's do that. Let's live apart until we get married. Um, but maybe they won't say that. Maybe they would refuse to say that. So, and if that can't be done, then the only, only other recourse is to remove that priority completely. Man, that would be hard, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be difficult for, and it would be for so many people who are in that circumstance. But listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is, is anything worth more than your soul? Anything? Even a relationship with someone? You want to make good soil out of thorny soil? You've got to remove the thorns. You've got to remove the thorns. It's the only way. Maybe, maybe you're good soil, and you're always good soil. And if that's you, I salute you. Way to go. Way to go. Man. But for the rest of us, <laughs> you know, there's probably times when our soil needs some weeding and some tilling. I know there is, that's true for me. Uh, there are times when we let some things in our lives become thorns and they take precedence over our relationship with God. Or, or we let our hearts get a little hardened by a sinful habit or behavior. Um, or because we're not spending time in God's Word like we should and serving uh, in His kingdom. We forget His promises. And we forget to call on Him uh, when trouble comes our way uh, and when life gets bumpy. So each of us, because that happens to most Christians, uh, each of us regularly needs to, like you would regularly go out and check out your garden, see how it's doing, make sure it's got water, make sure the weeds are pulled. We need to regularly evaluate our soil. You know, take an honest look at our lives and see how easily, how easily is God's truth thriving in our lives. Uh, and, and if it's not thriving, if we take an honest look and we see, you know, it's, it's kind of withering a little bit here and I, it needs some work, we need to think, what, what's, what's preventing my soil from thriving, my, the, the truth in me? What's preventing it from thriving? Something's got to be causing it. Uh, is sin hardening your heart? Um, well, till the soil. Remove the sin out of your life and replace it with truth. Are you struggling to handle the trials of life? They always keep you upside down all the time. You know, well, how deep are your roots 
in your relationship with God and in his word. Uh, Become a lifelong student of God's word. Uh, and, and, and let your roots grow. If Maybe you used to be a lifelong student of God's Word, but you, you've kind of dropped out uh, for a while. Well, re-enroll. Re-enroll uh, in, in being a student of God's Word. Uh, and Because that will make you stronger no matter what life throws at you. Evaluate your priorities, like we talked about last week. You know, What is preventing you from making your relationship with God the most important thing in your life? What do you need to do to move him up and other things down? Or if that won't work, removing it completely from your life. Because is anything more important than your soul? I hope you answer no, nothing. So, this morning, rather than calling this the parable of the sower, let's call it the parable of the soils and ask ourselves, which soil am I? Father God, we thank you for the wonderful stories that we read about in your word that Jesus told. Um, you know, we all can relate to stories about everyday life, um, like farming or uh, just anything that comes along that uh, relationships with, with a father or with a friend. or uh, we, 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 we understand stories because we live out stories in our lives. And we thank you for these stories that help teach us your great truth. And so let us not be like um, the Israelites were and some of the people in the crowd, the Pharisees who listened to Jesus, who just rejected these stories and these truths. Help us to, to be like a sponge and soak it in. And then learn and grow from it so that uh, we can make the changes that we need that jesus that god wants us to make that's the reason he told us the stories so that we can see changes that need to be made and take the action necessary to do it so lord help us today to look at our soils look at our lives and and see and evaluate whether your word your truth is thriving in our lives and if it's not help us figure out why and make the changes necessary father thank you so much for your great truth and all that it means to us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.